It's good to take pause and just look back for a, a second over this past year. Sometimes we have to look back to remember what God has done and not just stay there, but celebrate and then learn from it and say, boy, there's a whole bunch more yet to do. And today's going to be kind of one of those days, kind of looking what God has done, where he wants us to go, and how we can be part of that, and, and, and looking at what it is that he wants us to continue to do. And so today will be one of those days where if you walked in here today, you're going to get a snapshot, kind of the state of address of Grace Community Church. This is, our, this is where we're at. This is where we're headed, and this is what we believe God wants us to do. Next week, we kick off our theme for the year. So today's message will be a collaboration of, of a lot of thoughts, of, of looking back and saying, we, we, this is what we did, but we're praising God. Now, how can we learn from that? And then what is it that we still need to do? So I'm just going to ahead of time give you an opportunity to say, like, if you're an amen person, like, just say amen, Okay. And, and, and it, maybe if you're a hallelujah person, hallelujah. That was pretty weak. Most people are amens. But if you're kind of like a, you know, you come from a tradition that you look at me and say, come on, bring it. You're not, I can tell. Or maybe you're from the tradition of you just like, like if you're a dude and kind of we use this terminology, and I would, it, it's praise to God. But maybe you come from the bent of oorah. Any oorahs? So, I give you permission today. Like, bring all that. Like, don't leave it just kind of hanging inside like it gets about here and just stops. Like, this is a day where we, we give praise to our God. Like, if, if it wasn't for him, then we wouldn't be able to, to see these things and, and push forward. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be able to gather today. Because any good that happens in our lives or Grace Community is, is all because of Jesus. Any... any that's a couple there. Some of you are getting in here. Like I've got a few of you still. You, still, you held it there, I could tell. Just. So I'm going to give you permission in today's service. Just these praises go to God. So I just want to look back, just a snapshot. It's impossible like, to look back at 2014 and say, this is what God did. But here's a few things. And so feel free to respond however the Spirit leads you to respond. In our, in our men's ministry over this past year, we saw 600 Fight Club graduates come through two chapters. Praise God for that. And, and 42 new Fight Club charters that started around our world. We're praising God for that. Fight Club re- was represented at two Act Like a Men conference this past year. In fact, one in Texas where roughly, I believe, 5,000 men were gathered. And because of that, even three, I believe, three new charters in Texas have started with Fight Club. We're excited about that. In our Dad Fest this year, there was a big moment at the end where 50 men made a commitment to Jesus Christ. In our women's ministries, we saw over 700 women go through a 40-day challenge. Praise God for that. We saw the creation of a Remarkable Woman Network close page. And we saw the official debut of of the Radiance Women's Band. Can we praise God for that? And our missions and outreach, just just a few that took place. We had the Fair Parade, the Moral Day Parade, the Fallback Blitz, the Lighted Up Blitz, Judgment House, FCMC Summerfest, the Amis Outreach, the Give Back Blitz, the Angel Tree, the Boys and Girls Club Thanksgiving Outreach, the Kids City Camp, the High Five Camp, the free clothing event, the Christmas Eve offering where we collected $29,000 for five separate individuals. 
We saw a luau that reached the underprivileged in our world. We saw an Easter egg, an Easter Sunday that had thousands on our property. And in our Easter services, we saw over 100 people give their lives to Jesus Christ. In our dead fast and mama mania, we saw a Harley Davidson be given away. But more importantly, tons of men making commitments around the world. God allowed us to send men and women to Iraq, to Kentucky, three trips to Chicago, two trips to the Dominican Republic, Urban Hope in Philadelphia. We saw him go to Thailand and Cambodia. It was a year even of great publicity that we prayed for, that Jesus would get greater praise. We saw Natalie Grant lead worship on our stage in February with It Takes a Church. Some have asked why we do that. I'll tell you later. Hold on. Just get your amens ready. We saw newspaper articles giving glory to God in the Goshen News, the Elkhart Truth, the paper. We saw Senior Life magazine where our people were interviewed. We saw a sassy magazine with a sassy mama on the cover page. Yeah. We saw an article in Outreach magazine that covered three events of ours, three mainline events. We saw a jail ministry that reached people, an Amish ministry, in our Access Children or Youth ministry, Judgment House alone that's predominantly put on by teens, we saw 153 people give their lives to Christ. Can we praise God for that? On our Kentucky missions trip this past year, Axis teenagers did ministry in the number one county in Kentucky for drug abuse and saw three local kids in this community give their lives to Christ. Can we praise God for that? We saw 81 teens go to Wheaton College and meet with a couple thousand other teens. And they did work at Wicker Park and underprivileged areas in Chicago. Our kids' ministries. And this past year at Easter, in the regular ministries of children's ministry and High Five Camp, we saw 190 decisions for Jesus Christ. Can we praise God for that today? We saw the start of a brand new ministry at the Boys and Girls Club on Wednesday night that's predominantly led by teenagers at the Boys and Girls Club. In our grace, other, this ministry stuff, we hired Pastor Mike Sillman. By the way, today's his birthday, so we wish him happy birthday. We saw thousands of dollars paid down on our mortgage debt. We, we, we developed a security team around Grace. We, we gave a shot in the army. The National Day of Prayer, if you don't know, our community has a National Day of Prayer. And so we encourage a whole bunch of men and their families to join. And literally hundreds of men jammed into this room play, praying for this community. We linked arms with Revive Indiana where we're praying for revival in Indiana. In fact, this week, Monday through Saturday at 7 a.m. in our Link Auditorium, there will be people from the community gathered and praying that God does a revival in Indiana. Come out and join us in prayer for that. We had a kickoff to wanting to be the healthiest church, and we had a 21 Grace Fit 21 where many people jumped in. We found ourselves in northern Iraq. We also knew that was a great year. We saw 145 people baptized and going public for Jesus. We praise God for that. <laughs> through Judgment House, through, through High Five Camp, through Easter services, through Christmas service, through Dad Fest and other ministries, by our records as best as we can tell. Now listen, it's amazing what God has done, and we give him the credit. This past year in 2014, we saw 613 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Can we praise God for that? I say all that to say this. It wouldn't have happened without you. 
And volunteers are the, are, are the team that makes that happen. So as your pastor, I say thank you. And when I'm out around in the community, I have opportunities in ministry circles to tell people about Grace Community. And they ask questions. How do you get people to serve? How do you get people to sign up? How do you, how do you run that? And I say, we put a list and people sign up. I want to say thank you for that. Here's a video collection or picture collection of just a few things from this past year. Take a look at this. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. God a clap of praise today for what he's done at Grace Community. Yes, it has been an amazing year. And sometimes you just need to pause and, and, and remember what, what God has done and get a praise from a baby too. But we're excited what God has done. And over this past year, God has done some amazing things. But today, we want you to pause and for me to pause and just stop and say, okay, what are the things that we need to do to continue on? Like, like what are the things that we must do? Like, like for instance, if, if, if I was laying on my deathbed and, and the pastors came to me and they said, Jim, we want your deathbed wishes. What are the four things that, that you want us to continue to do when you pass? And so years ago, I heard a message by Bill Hybels and, and it was called These Things We Must Do. It was over 10 years ago. And these are the things that we must do to be a healthy, vibrant church. In other words, what would be my deathbed wishes? So if you can, just picture me laying on my deathbed. And my wife doesn't want to picture that or my kids. But, and in and, and walks in Pastor Jeremiah, Pastor John, Dan, Jeremy, and Mike. And they say, Jim, we want your deathbed wish. Like, we know you're dying and... and, and we're kind of glad because the building will get paid off for it. But, so, but w- what are your four deathbed wishes? Just picture 
Jeremiah jamming a microphone into my face and saying, we don't need blubbering goodbyes, just tell us what you want. Don't waste your time quoting scripture, and by no means don't delegate anything else. Jeez, we've had enough of that. But just picture them wanting to say, this is what we want to hear from you. And so, listen, if you can, and, and, and so John and Jeremy and Mike and Dan, they're holding up four fingers. Jim, we just need four things. These are the four things that, that we want to hear from you. Picture six close friends who have spent hours together praying, begging God, pleading for Grace Community Church. In their last moment together, well, these would be my deathbed wishes for Grace Community. These would be my deathbed wishes for this coming year. These are the things that keep me up at night. These are the things that kept me up last night. These are the things that burn white, hot in my heart. These are the things that have aged me. These are the things that keep me going day after day. These are the things I take great chrism for, and I don't care. These are the things that would have driven me to my deathbed. These are the things I would say we must do as Grace Community. These are the four values that will determine whether or not we go on and give more credit and greater glory to God. And if we don't do these four things, then we will die. We will perish. We will become a part of a large number of churches who meet on Sunday mornings and have a not-for-profit number, yet no one knows where they're at or where they meet or what they do. And my hope is may we never be that church, but may we be a church that the name of Jesus Christ is mentioned in conversation, where we don't have to make excuses for, but we say, those people, grace community, they love one another, they love this community, and they love their God. May we always be that church. But in order for that to happen, we must meet together. There's this overriding and this movement in churches today that says this, I don't need to go to church, I'm a Christian. Going to church... I don't need that. And there's this seclusiveness, almost like pulling away and this small core group of people just getting together because they want their way instead of gathering as God has called his church because the more they get together, those are devoted, the greater damage you can do against evil and the more you can do for the kingdom of God. And the author of Hebrews said it good. And I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And if you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But the author of Hebrews puts it plain and simple about gathering together. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verses 21 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 to 25. When you've found that, stand with me. Let's read it together. The author of Hebrews, we're uncertain who that is. There's a lot of people who think it might be Apollos. Some think it's Paul, but we know it's inspired word of God, so it doesn't matter. Hebrews chapter 10, let's read 21 to 25. Read it out loud with me. Ready, read. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You may have a seat. As we gather together, the King James says, let us not forsake the gathering of the saints. The reason we gather today, we gather in community. I love when we come in a corporate way and worship. And so the Word of God says, come, gather together in community. Come be challenged. Come for accountability. Come so you can grow. Come so others can grow. And may there always be a gathering. Do not forsake the gathering of believers. And if we gather, then something should happen. We should equip the saints, those who call themselves Christ followers, and we should give good news to those that are seeking, that are trying to find Jesus. So the reason we gather is some of you even came in today. You're seated together because you find yourself with a similar experience that someone else is facing. You come to be encouraged. And so when we gather, it should be more than just gathering. We should come, be fed, and then sent out to do the work. And so what are those four things that I believe we gather for, to be equipped for, so that we can be sent out? My first deathbed wish would be this. And I would say, may we always love lost people. Now, I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. If it does, you just came for your first Sunday today. But in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it says this. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Anyone and everyone, the text says. He says this again, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So what does that mean? That every youth, child, and adult that breathes oxygen today... God wants to see them come to repentance and come to Christ. God is longing. He says he's patient. He's willing. Like, he's wanting. Like, oh, and I've often thought this. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were the person, and I would love if God would allow, like, I'm leading someone to Christ that someone's been praying for. And by his grace, he just uses me, and I, I say, this is the gospel. And they, they, they confess Jesus, Lord, and then the rapture occurs. Wouldn't that be awesome? Share Christ, boom, you get to go with them. I guess it would be okay. Wouldn't that be okay? <laughs> I want to be the church. Like, that it is the hope of the world. I want to be the church where lost people are found. And I will scream it from my deathbed. In fact, if I don't have any teeth when I'm in my 80s and I'm on my deathbed, I'll gum the doctors to Jesus. Because the good news of Jesus Christ has radically changed my life. Has it changed anybody else's life today? <laughs> Listen to me. Don't ever give up on anyone. Don't ever think that the Holy Spirit is finished in changing hearts. May we always be a place where the lost are found and gently accepted no matter how messed up they are. Let me just say this. We are broken people without Jesus Christ. We are messed up people without Jesus Christ. We are headed to hell without Jesus Christ. And when Christ saves us, we're a new man. But listen, we're still messed up people. We're still broken people. We still need Jesus. And when you go to reach people in dark places, it's messy. 
There isn't like a formula that says, hey, this is the formula. I believe God has called us to darkness because light shines best in darkness. So let's rally the troops. Let's support people that are in darkness, trying to take the light of Christ and say, I got your back. I'm covering you. That might not be my mission, but here's my mission. I support you. I stand in unity with you, and I'm going to pray that Christ saves souls. Anybody want to be part of that? I pray that we're always those people. Don't ever give up. Here's the deal. God is willing that none should perish. So he's scanning the earth. And so while you and I slept last night, God never slumbers nor sleeps. He was scanning the earth looking for churches I call incubators. That, that, that he would say, I'm going I'm to send those people there and they're going to run into those people because those people want to... Give those lost people the good news of Jesus. And so some of you today, you've had people come to you. You know why they came to you? You know why you ran into them? Because God believes that you can share the good news with them. Why would God send anybody to people that aren't going to share the good news? He just wouldn't do it. So my prayer is this. May grace always be a place that God sends us people who are messed up. May we always be a hospital for the lost and the broken and let them be transformed by Jesus Christ. Any amens for that? The day we stop investing our energies in lost people is the day I leave and probably our whole staff and elders. And probably most of you just shut the doors. What is the purpose to meet? In my mind, it's to equip the saints so that they do the work of Jesus Christ. And listen, people often ask me all the time, all right, Jim, what's a fully devoted follower of Christ? Like, somehow, like, they don't think we're developing fully devoted followers of Christ. So I ask them a question. What happens when you get close to Jesus? What's it look like? And so they give a response. I say this, the closer you get to the heart of Jesus, the closer, the closer, you hear his mission statement. You know what Jesus' mission statement is? You know, if you walked into Jesus' office today, you know what would be on his wall His mission statement would read, to seek and save lost people. That's why he came. So the closer you get to Jesus, if you're not sharing your faith, like, like, listen to me. We have to understand salvation. We need to understand scripture, and we need to be good theologians. But listen, we got to stop just gathering to get more information. We need to take the information and tell people about it. That's the heartbeat of Christ. So I say, how do you know? Well, I'll tell you how. I'm beside someone, and they're in the workplace. They're taking their gift and talent and ability and their recreational skill, and you know what they're doing? They're getting to know that guy and that gal. And you know what happens? They're bridging Christ to them. To me, that's a fully devoted follower of Christ. You cannot not get close to Jesus without sharing the gospel. If you're not verbally sharing the gospel, then you're not spending time with Jesus. It's impossible to get close to him without sharing because he's changed our lives. I'm a little fired up today. These are the things that I would die for. You see, if you have been with us any length of time, you will see that outreach is a big part of who we are. This building was built. Like, it just didn't one day appear. People sacrificially gave. They gave up vacation time. Some people dug into their saving. Some people dug into their 401 plan. Some people said, you know what? For that person who doesn't know Jesus, I am going to sacrifice. And years back, we had people who gave and sacrificed and are still giving so that this building can be built. There's a track that runs around here. Maybe you've never been upstairs. Then get upstairs. 
There's a track above us, 14 laps is a mile. We're open in the mornings from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. In the evenings from 6 to 8 p.m. on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And you know why? So people can come in here and, and work out. You know why we have a gym floor? Because it's a gym floor, and you gym on the gym floor. We have a workout room with weights where people can come with barbells and machines. You probably don't, some of you don't even know. Just walk in there after the service and go, oh, I didn't know that was there. It's because we want to reach people. We have a women's fitness, curves, fitness room all by itself upstairs. Maybe some of you never knew that. Then walk upstairs and look around. People come in and work out. Why? We want to give them a free place to work out so that some gal is going through the circuit training in 60 seconds and she's sweating. And there's this gal she doesn't know. And she says, what's your name? My name? Oh, I'm Sally. What's your name? Teresa. Oh, hey, let's go out afterwards and let's talk and then let's work out. Let me tell you about Jesus. (laughs) To me, that just makes sense. Jesus' mission is to seek and save lost people. We will always be a church that does acts of kindness. And yes, if God calls us to, not man, like I don't care if you think we shouldn't do it. If the support team and the leadership team and the elder team and God says do this, guess what we're going to do? We're going to do it. And that might even mean on Father's Day, gathering men together and from time to time, Pull up in a Harley Davidson and give it away. And you might say, why would you give a Harley? Because a Harley Davidson stinking rocks and dudes like it. <laughs> That's why. And you know what that does? That draws men. I could win a Harley. And they get to hear the gospel. And you know what can happen? 50 of them can receive Jesus Christ. It, That's why we do it. Send me your letters. I don't care. I'll just throw them away. Yes, we will allocate people. Yes, we will allocate resources. Because our hearts pulsate and our blood boils over lost people. And Grace Community Church gets it. So this is your first Sunday. Guess what? We get it around here. (laughs) My second deathbed wish would be this. Continue. Continue to have a pioneer spirit. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. And I'll show you what I mean. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. This would be my second deathbed wish as Jeremiah jams the microphone into my face. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. In verse 30. He's one of my favorite characters in scripture because he's 90 years old in this account. Like, it's not like this... This 30-year-old man, let's say, this take the world. God says, go into the land and explore it. Like, and he told them before they left, 12 men, he says, guess what? I'm going to give you that land. So 12 went in, and they spied it, and they saw these big people, and they saw how difficult the terrain was. Ten came back and said, we can't do it. Two men came back, one named Joshua and one named Caleb. And then Caleb gave his report. Look at chapter 13 and verse 30. He's looking at all the people and they say, Caleb, what do you think? Then Caleb silenced the people. You know what he was silencing? All the naysayers, all the mumblers said, we can't do it. I can't believe he's sending us there. Don't go there. You'll shoot your eye out. (laughs) Caleb silenced them. The people before Moses and said, we should go up 
and help me. What does he say? And take possession of the land for we can certainly what? Do it. Not in our own power, he knew, but in the power of God. Plus, God already said, hey, Kay, we're going to give you that land. You see, it's faith. 90 years old, man. Yeah, glory, hallelujah. He said, we can certainly do it. I love the spirit of Caleb. Like, I would love to just sit down with him and like, like, hey, let's have lunch together. He'd probably be on a treadmill and we'd be running and eating together. It is the spirit of a worn-out boxer going into the last round of a brutal fight, eyes swollen from the battle, wobbly legs, just picture, gray hair, wrinkled skin, with his trainer ready to throw in a towel. Caleb, that's enough. With everyone betting against him up to this point, with naysayers smirking, who sent that guy in there? Standing in the face of adversity and shouting, I'm not finished yet. You know, with his dentures in and his toupee on and saying, let's rock and roll. If God says yes, then may we always be the church. Please, may we always be the church that has a pioneer spirit. We're not here to please men. Like, did you hear me? Like, I'm not here to please you. Like, that's not my desire. That's not why, that's not why your elders are here. That's not why your pastors are here. That's not why your deacons are here. We're not here to please man. We're here to please God. And when this voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it, we want to walk in that way, not in the way of man, because it will be far from God. What do we mean by that? So I would say, don't be a settler. Please don't let mediocrity and complacency settle in you. Be the guy or woman. With the axe cutting your way through the deep wilderness. My kids got me for my birthday. They got me a machete. Like, that's like here, Tim. Here, Dad. I was like, that thing is awesome. Like, just, just go somewhere. I just picture Caleb with this, with this axe just cutting his way through, the, trying to get there. Saying, we can certainly do this. We should be the people who have scars on our arms and our legs and wrinkles on our skin because this adventure has taken us to difficult places. We should be the one willing to go where no one else dared to go. Why? Because God said so. Like, not because it's easy and not because it's safe, but because there's someone there that God wants us to meet. Someone's been praying for this someone and we need to send those people to meet those someones. I pray that we never reach the end of the road. Like, you ever around somebody like that? Like, well, this is as far as I can go. Like, this is the way we've always done it, so we can't go any farther than that. I just, I tell you, there's something that happens when I hear that. This is the way we've always done it. We can't do it. I just, I, I got I to run. Like, I just got to get out of there because I have to go filter, 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 filter with what I want to say in that moment. Why? Because God doesn't want us as we age to become more mediocre. Like, he's not like pushing us towards retirement so we can pull away from serving. No, we should continue as Caleb was at 90 years old. Front lines, baby. You see, that would be a sad day. I still love the illustration of Coach Kessler from Grace College. My alma mater and Josh's alma mater and Hannah's alma mater and Ann's alma mater. They got a lot of our money, by the way. You know that? But in any case, 
I love him. He's a basketball coach, been there uh, 30 years or more. And, and some of you heard this, but it's worth repeating. It's just like Caleb's story. Like, like about three years ago, Grace College had a chance to go play against IU. IU is a great basketball program. They got a great win yesterday, too, against Ohio State. It's a good team. And so it's like, it's, it was Grace College, 15 or 1,600 people going against Indiana University. Like, NCAA against NAIA. It's like David and Goliath. And that's not even a good illustration because David's bigger than Goliath in my mind. So, but in any case, it's small against big. And so they set up this preseason game, Grace College against IU. And so they're traveling down, and Coach is a smart coach, and he's a, you know, he, he fires them up. And so he, he gets to the parking lot. Like, he knows that they're thinking, we're playing against IU, and we're Grace College. Like, we're no Lake Indiana. You ever heard of that place? No. So he pulls in, stands up. The word is he stands at the front of the bus. There's his team and, and, and the coaches. And he turns around and he says this, something along like, you know, we can win this game. You think we can win it? Then he looks at him and says this, if you don't think you can win this game, then don't get off the bus. Oh, man. I... Like, does that do anything to you at all? Or just like, yeah, it's God. Hallelujah. <laughs> what was he saying? Like, like, don't play, don't jump in, just stay there if you don't think you can win. And you know what happened? Every stinking basketball player got off the bus because if his God is for him, who could stand against him? He's going to give his best. We should be the same way. Our God is for us. Yes. As long as I lead and you give me the opportunity to lead Grace Community Church, there will probably be times that We'll do things differently. There might even be times that you're upset with me. We will not pattern ourselves completely like another church. We will listen to God and the Holy Spirit, and it might look a little different. Yes, we will make mistakes. Yes, we will try things. And you know what? Sometimes it won't work. Sometimes we will fail. But listen, I'd rather fail trying than not try at all. I know for some that's difficult. Because maybe you've come from a different church tradition and you've done it a certain way. But listen, I'm so glad you're with us because I want to tell you something in case you didn't know. Like, if you have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, like if you're born again, if if you've confessed your sin in Jesus as Lord, whatever terminology you want to do, you are a child of of God. You've repented of your sin. Like, if you have a a, a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen? We're all going to end up in heaven together one day. And we're all going to be there with different denominations. And we're all going to be there with different traditions. So listen to me. You might as well get used to it now. Because you're going to spend eternity with born-again, blood-stained people who have been redeemed by the power of Jesus Christ for eternity. By the way, that's real easy to clap now until we do something that you're not used to. So my prayer is this, Lord. Give us a flexible spirit, Lord. Help us to unify together, Lord. If this is what you called us to, and it's not sin, and it's transforming lives, Lord, open my mind. Lord, help me to support and hold the arms up like Aaron and Hur did for Moses. Our model might be a little different. We are trying to join what God is already doing for such a time as this. We don't want to implement new ideas and an outdated principle just to do them. We want to make sure it's from God. 
We are trying to give him full reign. Maybe you've walked in here and you've watched our baptism service and you might be one of those like, how come the pastors don't baptize everybody? Number one, we couldn't. Why is there like, there, there's like people in there and they're like in tank tops and shorts. Like people ask me, I can't believe your church wears swimming trunks in the tank. And I ask them, they ask me, why do you do that? I say, because it's water. <laughs> and I ask them, when you go swimming, do you wear your Sunday clothes? No, we wear swimsuits. Well, we're in water too, and we're wearing our swimsuits. You might have noticed in our tank that there's like, there's, there's men who aren't pastors. And you might have noticed that there's women in there baptizing women. Like, whoa, wait a minute. How can you do that? You know why? Because we take Matthew 28, 18 to 20, literally it says, Therefore, go ye and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. That's an individual command to individuals. That's saying, you, go baptize. Really? Yeah, if you led them to Christ, you poured into them. What a, a, a marked moment that could be with that person. So we often try to get the, the, the person who's disciple, And we often try to get the dad, who is the spiritual authority of the home and the covering of the home, to baptize his family. That might be different, but that's why we do it. You might have noticed, too, that our paid staff isn't very large. Like, I get in circles all the time with churches of our size, churches that are bigger than ours, and I begin to say, they'll say, well, tell me about your staff. How many paid employees do you have? And I say, we have about 15, 14 part-time and full-time at our church. Well, how big is your church? Well, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 people. And they look at me with eyes about this big. You only have that many people that are paid? How can you do that? Like, I know church that's a thousand less than we are. That has 30 paid staff members. 30. Like, 30. Like, in my mind, is this. Something's wrong with that. And so they ask, how can you do that? I said, because our church gets it. We have volunteers that understand the priesthood of believers that we're there to serve serve and give and serve and give and serve and give and serve and give and serve and give. Then I tell them, they say, well, tell me how it's structured. And I'll say, well, we have like deacons and deaconesses, and there's like 40 of them. And, and, and the church, by the way, if, if you haven't fin- that, filled out an ID form, you're not in on this list, but we want you to. Contact our offices this week. Our church is divided up into a directory, and our deacons have so many people that they oversee. And I say, we have husbands and wives that care, that check in, that love them. And, and, and there's like 40 of them, they're checking in. And they, some of them will say, well, how come you're not doing that? I said, because it'd be impossible. And because we understand the priesthood of believers. We have elders that know how to lead and are, are, are the bookends that, that check our theology and pour in and support and give support. And we have pastors. In fact, talk to Pastor Mike sometime. He, he came from a great church in, in, in Pennsylvania. And when he was there, was, he was the lead pastor, and he came on our team. And one of the things he'll tell you, in fact, I'll speak for him, paraphrase for him, but basically say, he says, I couldn't believe how strong this team is. He says, I've never been part of a staff that was a team. Like, some wonder, you might wonder, is, does Jim make all the decisions? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and he, but there's some out there, well, he's making all of them. If he's, he's leading the way. Listen to me. I'm not that stupid. 
I got a support team around me, a team that will go elbow to elbow, back to back, spirit to spirit, to the gates of hell and back. That's the kind of team we have. And so, yeah, you know what? We know what's happened in children's ministries and youth. Man, we get together for staff meetings, and all guys give input. All guys think, what do you think? We'll ask each other, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think? And you know why? Pastor Mike's like, man, I've never been part of a team like this before. We don't just have specialists. We have men serving. We have a support staff. You've met them in the offices. You've met them in children and youth ministries. Man, they're dynamic. They support us too. By now, you will know, if this is your first Sunday, that we're a little weird here. And we are wired as pioneers. And we have one weirder than most that worships with us. (laughs) Hallelujah! We need more Wayne and Betty Mass to Grace Community Church. I love you, Wayne. And I mean that with all my heart, brother. Hallelujah. (laughs) See, I still believe that all things are possible with God. I still believe we can take people who others have given up on and tell them about Jesus Christ and watch marriages get reconciled, watch kids run back to Jesus, watch healing take place. You see, I believe that the hope of Christ can radically change where hopelessness exists. I always want us to be a place where we never move on talent alone. You see, if that's the case, then we have no need for the Holy Spirit. Like, if we're relying upon our own ability, like, like, well, he's really good at that. She's really good with numbers. Or he he can really build. Well, go do that. Like, like if we're just relying on them and we don't need God, I don't want any parts of that. I want any part where we jump in and say, I'm going to do my best. Man, God, you got to fill in something because otherwise we're not going to be able to do this. And then God jumps in and then bam. That's the kind of church we want us to be. And by the way, we don't have a bunch of committees and councils. Maybe you come from a tradition that says, hey, we need to meet the second Thursday of next month to see what color forks we need in the kitchen. We don't have that here. We need a fork, we go buy one. We don't have committees that have committees that have committees that talk about the committees and then wait six months to make a decision about the decision that the committee made. And then if they're on vacation, we can't make that decision. We try to put our ears towards heaven. We have, by God's grace, have set up a structure that says, if God is moving, go join it. We try to be fluid in our decision-making. By the way, you know what a committee is? This is great. Some of you heard it. Maybe some of you never. If you look this definition up, you know what a committee is? It's a flock of buzzards. <laughs> you laugh. It is. One, two, three, four, five, six buzzards together is called a committee. And what do buzzards want to do? They're just waiting for something to die. <laughs> Have you ever been to one of those committee meetings? You're just waiting. You're just like cutting your wrist. Just take me now. We want to build a church that the Spirit of God speaks, we respond. The Spirit of God says, go. We say, are you coming? The Spirit of God says, no, we stop. 
We don't want to have systems in place that thwart the forward movement of God. Yes, our speed of play is fast. Come join our staff sometime and you'll find that out. But listen, they get it. That's why they joined the staff. That's why God brought them on. Because they've been equipped in such a way to handle fast-paced decisions. Is it tough sometimes? Is it difficult? Are there some feathers flying sometimes? Sure, we're human beings. But when we leave that office, you know what happens? We walk out, we stand united. Henry Blackaby said years ago in his book, Experiencing God, he said, look where God is moving and go join it. If, If you make decisions like with committees and next month. It's like a basketball coach. He's in a game. I like basketball and watched a couple games yesterday Isaiah was in. And it's like a coach. He's got a, a zone defense. He's playing against this team thinking this will shut them down. And, but all of a sudden, this, this, this team that they're playing against starts draining all their threes. Like three, there's a three. Then another guard shoots three. And the, by that time, the power forwards are jumping out and they're hitting three. Like as a coach, you can't say, well, well, look at your assistant coach and say, hey, next Tuesday morning when we meet, let's talk about what we need to do. No, you're going to say, man to man, mano to mano, stop him. So we want to build a church that moves quickly so that we can defend and push back evil and push forth truth. You see, we have recognized that there are many good systems from the past and we can learn from them. But we don't have to repeat them just because they've been there for so long. We must always be asking God what he wants for his church. You see, even now, we're looking down the road. We have a leadership team looking at the possibilities around us. We are sketching pencil drawings of of additions and larger rooms and more parking areas. Let me talk about parking, by the way, just, just for a second. This is daddy talking to his kids, okay? Where do you think Jesus would park? Come on, come on, come on. Where would Jesus park? Why? Because he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And he was looking out the interests of others. Let me just say this. I can't remember the last time I parked on blacktop or concrete on Sunday morning. I've been parking in grass as long. Why? Because that's what Jesus would do. And if it's up to me when I leave today, I'm going to try to climb up over that snow bank and four-wheel drive and leave. (laughs) Please. Why? Why? Because we want to give those people who maybe, you know, they've been praying to God and you've been praying for them and... Like, they're coming to Grace Community Church. This might be your first Sunday. And we're going to give you a spot that says, we love you. And those of us who've been Christians for so long, some of us can't remember what we've been saved from, we can park way out there so that this person has an opportunity to learn and hear about the Jesus Christ that saved us. Listen, if that means that you got a white mark on the bottom of your car because you come through that driveway, just say, people, and when they look, just say, oh, yeah, that must be a grace community person. <laughs> All you have to do, by the way, if you don't know what you need to do, you take a thing called a hose, and it has a little squirter on it. And you get a bucket, and you put some soap in it, and you mix it up, and you go out there and you rub it. 
Then you take a hose and go. And you say, guess what? Someone got prime spots. They might come to Jesus. It's worth the drive through at the car wash for 10 bucks. And by, by the way, Rita, I don't care if you don't like me right now, but our God, our God would park out there. By the way, if you're here today, that's why we give you VIP spots. We're not entitled to anything around here. Jesus is entitled, but we're not. I would say it this way. We don't worship our lawns. We mow them and we use them. And sometimes we do donuts in the snow on them. And that just might be the very essence of Jesus Christ when he humbled himself in Philippians chapter 2. By the way, thank you to the 99% of you who haven't said anything about parking in grass. Thank you. Thank you for allowing your cars to get dirty. Listen, I like to take care of my vehicle too. Thank you for saying, you know what? Praise God. Thank you for all the parking attendants who stand out in the cold who've been trying to get something going on. Thank you. So why do we need a pioneer spirit? Why do we need to have a a, a fast pace? Because Jesus Christ could come at any moment and people need Christ. We want to be known as men and women who are risk takers and not safe makers. I still love a sweet lady by the name of Dorothy Brumball, faithful woman of God, much like a Hazel Chapman, faithful woman of God. I'll never forget this conversation. Ed Lewis came up, and Dorothy was that time seated in the back. She was in her late 80s. She might have been 90. I don't remember, but she was old. And she was seated in the back. And so Ed Lewis is like, he walks up to her, and he says, Dorothy, like, why do you worship here? Like, what keeps you here? Like, like, in other words, you're a lot older than all these people. Like, why do you keep coming? The music isn't your style. Like, Jim probably isn't your style. Like, why do you keep coming? By the way, she's like a charter member of Grace. Like, why do you keep coming? And I'll never forget what Ed told me she said. She said, Ed, I look around and I can't deny what God is doing and I want to be part of it. That's the spirit. It's not about us. You see, Grace Community Church is not a safe place. You might not have known on Thursday mornings that we give away food vouchers. You're like, yeah, you've heard it. $30 food vouchers to the community. You might not have known on Thursday mornings, if you walk out there on Thursday mornings, there are people being fed breakfast. People come in and they cook breakfast and we serve the underprivileged. You might have known that if you walked in here on Thursday morning, there are tons of people out there getting fed. There are tons of people out there getting uh, food vouchers. There are tons of people serving so that they can be served. You might not have known that, but that happens every Thursday morning. Why? Because people need help. And Jesus said, if you feed them, you fed me. You might not have known this, that, that on Wednesday nights we gather in this upper room up here and, and we pray. Like, 
You might not have known if you come here on a Wednesday night that there are hundreds of people here, children, youth, and adults that gather. They're being fed. They're finding community. You might not have known that there are a group of people who have been meeting on a Wednesday night for 15, 16, 17 years. You might not have known if you walk in that room on a Wednesday night, people often ask me, Pastor Jim, the church is so big. How can I get to know people? I say, well, come out on Wednesday night. Come out and pray. How can we get to know you? You want to get to know me? Come pray with me. And so on Wednesday night, even this pastor, there were people pleading. There were people crying. There were people begging. There were people laughing. And they're on their knees. And sometimes the arms lifted high because I firmly believe that any great movement of God begins with prayer. Listen, have you ever been part of it? Maybe you've checked out and said, well, I, I, I got to watch reruns on Wednesday night. I'm getting the old Dukes of Hazards back out. Listen, if you're not doing anything Wednesday night, join us. Join us and you will hear the whispers of God. You will see God move in a mighty way. You'll walk out of there and you'll be encouraged and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because up there is hard work and up there is trench work. But that trench work helps those who are on the front lines. Can I get one Amen. My third death wish would be this. Keep the people engaged. Like, when Nehemiah was building the walls, they were being opposed. And people were saying, you can't do that. That can't happen. And so when Nehemiah gathered his men and women to rebuild these walls, in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, all the people worked with all their hearts. See, nothing brings me greater joy would bring me greater joy than to see large masses of people serving and not just sitting on Sunday morning. Imagine every single person at Grace Community working with all their hearts. Imagine every person leaving their footprints in the mud. Every person having carpet burns on their knees because they have served. My deathbed wish would be this for Grace Community. That every person that calls this their home gives one hour a week. Just one hour. Like one hour is all I'm asking. Just one hour serving. One hour. That's nothing. Just, just okay, I'm going to jump in. I saw that there's this request on this page. They need someone to, to plow snow and they can join Tony Shepherd. Praise God for Jason Mavis and Tony Shepherd who keep our parking lots clean. They can jump in. We need bulletin stuffers. Whatever it is, just one hour. Let me ask you, are you giving one hour to Grace Community Church? Or are you just come and consumer, consume? Consume me, consume me, consume. I just feed me, feed me, feed me. You're like a guppy in a pot. <laughs> Volunteers are serving everywhere. What a great group we have. Christmas Eve services. I saw some volunteers serve all five services. One person said this, well, I can't think of anything else better to do on Christmas Eve than to be part of Grace Community Church where we're taking an offering of, and we collected $29,000 and all of it went to people to reach for Jesus. And they said, I don't know where I could meet and that would happen. So they just kept coming back and serving. They kept serving in the cafe. The gangers just kept serving. Mark Spade just kept serving. Dave Massengill just kept ushering. Our ushers can ush. They just kept doing it. We have bulletin stuffers that come every Friday. It's a small group. They stuff your bulletin. 
We have almost 400 children in children's ministries, of which 200 are men. Listen, if you're a dude, you can give the father image. You can give the brother. Listen, only masculinity can only be bestowed from one man to another man. And there are some boys up there that are in some single-parent homes that you could pour masculinity into. We have small group leaders that are leading people. We have fight club leaders that are busy as can be, still pouring in. We have remarkable women squad leaders that are serving, that aren't bailing out. Listen, don't bail out on these things. Don't jump out and say, I'm taking this season off. Dig in, jump in. Christ could come back today. You see, we need a firestorm burning in our hearts that won't go out. We need people who lay awake at night wondering how they can add to the cause of Jesus Christ at Grace Community. We need volunteers who relieve those who are getting burned out. We need tech guys and gals and greeters and parking attendants. Listen, can I just rally up like 10 parking men that would say, I'll stand in the cold for the cause of Jesus Christ. Sign me up. You can wave a flag, can't you? You can use your foot if you need to. If you're not doing something, do something. We need landscapers and we need people to set up chairs. Like I said, these chairs, it's 6 a.m. this morning. They, Jeremiah just didn't come in and gather the worship team. They get here earlier, Pastor Jeremy, and they didn't pray. Dear God, set them up again. People came in and sat them up. You know, if you, if you can pick up 15 pounds, I ask you to come. Help set up chairs. Serve one hour. We need design people and graphic designers and people to help our fitness room stay in shape. And we need people to push back stones that have been plowed into the grass. We need video editors and gym, open gym coordinators that Aaron Mass has been coming for years. And people come in early in the morning and late at night just meeting with people so people can work out. I still believe the volunteers can do everything and anything that God has called the church to do. We need people who work hard all week, still want to serve the local church, that see no greater cause than serving Jesus. It might seem crazy to give you your time to the mission and cause of Christ, but it isn't. And my last deathbed wish is this. Raise up mighty men. Like, in case you didn't know that. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and in Genesis 3, 9, they just sinned. It's like Adam dropped the ball and Eve did too. And the picture is he's running. He's like, he's hiding. He's in the garden. He's hiding because the sin and the guilt and the shame is on him. And the next scene is God is looking. Like, where are you at? And here's what it says in Genesis 3.9. Genesis 3.9 says, but the Lord called to the man. And he said this. Can you picture God? Where are you? Thank you. Where are you? Thank you. Where are you? Because he wanted the man to step up from the ashes. He wanted the man to pick his family back up and, and confess his sin. He needed a man not to stick his tail between his legs and run in his sin and his shame and his adversity, but to stand back up and know by the power of God, I can go on. And guess what? God is still calling. Where are the men? When David Livingston, the missionary pioneer to Africa, 
was working in the early days. Some of his friends wrote him a letter because they wanted to help his work in Africa. And they wrote this letter and it said this. Listen to what they wrote. We would like to send other men to you. That sounds good, doesn't it? But then it said this in this letter. Have you found a good road into your area yet? That's the letter they said. David Livingston wrote back. If you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there's no road at all. We need to be those men. We need to be the men on the front lines. Why? We need to be mighty men who go in a pit on a snowy day and knock down a man. Why? Because if you get the man, you get the family. If you get the family, you get the community. If you get the community, you get the world. Why? We need men who will tenderly love their wives, that will lead their homes, that will pour into their children daily with appetites for holiness and purity, fit enough to run for miles to rescue their kids if need be, brave enough to say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, passionate enough to, enough to boldly share the gospel, humble enough to say, I was wrong, discontent enough to not settle in his walk with Jesus, armed enough with God that he's willing to run to the gates of hell to fight against injustices and evil in our world, equipped enough to build a strong marriage, a healthy family. We need mighty men. And before I pass out, those would be my deathbed wishes. So, I long for you to join us. Like, your staff, your elders, your pastors, your deacons, we can't do it alone. But we can do it together. And we can be a mighty force with God. I'm going to ask you to stand in closing. I'd love to pray for you and over you. God, I pray that we would be this church. God, I pray that we would, we would stand in the ashes and rise and you, you would pick us up and they would give you glory. God, I pray that we wouldn't retreat like the ten did and that we would be the Caleb's that said, certainly we can do this. God, I pray that we would run to holiness. I pray that we would flee sin. God, I pray that the negative voices that want to consume our minds and the fear that wants to enwrap us and cover us and thwart us, I pray, God, that you would remove it. I pray, God, that when we look at the clouds, we would see the sun above the clouds and we would turn to him. I pray, God, that we'd be a mighty, holy bride marching together arm to arm, shoulder to shoulder, in unity, so that the world can be one to Jesus Christ. Oh, God, help us to get rid of our mediocrity. Oh, God, help us to join you in the battle. Oh, God, may we never settle. May this be the bride, God, that great revival begins in, that that people from miles will come. May people, when they drive down County Road 36, County Road 21, may they be hit with the Spirit of God and say, what up there? What up there? May they run to Jesus. Lord, use us. I'm asking you to do something. Just extend your hands to, to God in heaven. Just hold them up. God, here are your people. I pray, God, that you would show them 
that with Christ they can do anything. I pray, God, you would remove the evil forces that tried to thwart them and bring up their past. I pray that they would see there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I pray you would unite hands. Grab the hands of the person beside you in the air. Just grab them hand to hand. God, I pray that you would make us a mighty bride, united as one. I pray, Lord, that you would get greater glory, that any good that comes from Grace Community would go to the throne room of heaven and the angels would bow down and say, look what God has done. Oh, God, here we are. I pray for reconciliation and healing and power and authority in Christ. I pray we live to our redemptive potential and may we take back what the enemy has stolen. Oh, Lord, we go. We didn't come just to get more information. We came to be equipped, and we are being sent out so that the world can be one to Jesus. Use us, God. Mold us, shape us, embolden our faith. Give us courage. Make us brave. May we charge to the gates of hell, hand to hand with squirt guns, God, if need be. We ask this in the strong and mighty and powerful name of Jesus and all God's people said. God bless you. See you next week.